0: The Michigan Republican Party's leadership changed hands this past weekend, from co chairs Mishan Maddock and Ron Weiser to the newly elected Christina Caramo. It is my pleasure. From Trump leaning to something Trumpier? this mean for Michigan's Republican Party and for state politics? This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Christina Caramo swims in the far right lane in the Michigan political pool. She takes a hardline stance that conservative Christianity needs to be the bedrock of all law and government. She engages in culture war politics and embraces election denialism. She also recently ran for Secretary of State against Jocelyn Benson and still has not conceded defeat, even though she lost by nearly 15 points. Colin Jackson is State House correspondent for Michigan's Public Radio Network, and he was at the convention when the leadership vote was taken.
1: There really weren't a lot of party mainstays there. It was a lot of kind of faces of this newer, um, more closely associated with the grassroots voices. Uh, That were in attendance.
0: We're also talking with Caitlin Buss, assistant editorial page editor of the Detroit News. She followed the meeting from a distance through the weekend.
2: I think it's noticeable that there's a huge void. Um, I was at the convention in August and it was even noticeable then. There were only a few, uh, you know, a few more well-known Republicans in Michigan than there were this last go around. But I think we knew going in that Ron Weiser wasn't going to be there.
0: If you didn't need to be there, I think it's expected that they weren't going to be there. The short list for party chair was down to Christina Caramo. Matt DiPerno was in the running. He was another statewide candidate, ran for AG against uh, incumbent Democrat Dana Nessel and lost. Uh, Scott Greenlee was also in the race, a businessman who's done some campaign work. Should we su- be surprised that Christina Caramo beat them, es- especially since Matt DiPerno had Donald Trump's endorsement? It's
2: not surprising, at least to me at the microcosm level of what's been going on in Michigan. I think it is surprising when you kind of put her now in the ranks of you know big names of other people that have beat Donald Trump throughout the country. But Christina Caramo had a lot of grassroots support that I think, you know, certain members of the media maybe didn't see. Um, I went to a campaign event for Tudor Dixon in the fall to, to report on some education stuff. And Christina Caramo was the lead up speaker to her. Well, she had way more support. And I left that event thinking, you know, she's she's going to win something because these people just love her. She has a very commanding presence. Um, you know, I think it's it's great. We have the first black person leading the GOP. I think what has happened here is that this has become like a temper tantrum of sorts, is that um, this small minority of people in Michigan want everyone in Michigan to see politics the way do, they do, society the way do they do, and they're not willing to compromise or negotiate even within the, their own Republican Party here. And Republicans who have been dedicated to conservatism and Republican Party for decades are, you know, very frustrated at this point.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Caitlin, Christina Caramo as as a candidate, as we mentioned, lost by a pretty wide margin, but has claimed election fraud. What does it say that party delegates tapped her? I mean, I heard what you said, that she is somebody who seems to do well in rooms of Republican faithful among, you know, these new grassroots people who've just gotten involved since the Trump era. But what does this say about the next stage of the party's life? The party
2: here is at a complete standstill. I mean, I, I I don't know what the future looks like. The paper ballot decision was um, funny because, I mean, do, do they even trust themselves to count the right votes? And if they don't, then who do they trust? I mean, I think it really laid bare the fact that they don't trust anybody. So it's a it's a weird place to be in um, as the Republican Party moving forward. I think anyone with a common sense um, approach that isn't based in fear and honestly, at this point, this obsession with uh, trying to prove that our elections are not safe, even when you have people like Senator Ednick Broom, other leaders in the Republican Party who stood up two years ago and said, there's nothing here. Matt DiPerno himself you know, had some questionable interactions with you know, election law. So I think it's a very dangerous position for the Republican Party to be in, honestly.
0: We need to take a break. More with Colin and Caitlin in a minute.
1: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
0: Support for the stateside podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, Committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. Colin, can you say anything about Christina Caramo as as a coalition builder? I mean, does she have relationships with Republican elected officials who she's going to be working with?
1: I'm not too sure about her relationships with active uh, elected state lawmakers and such. It's, at least from the grassroots section, I would imagine those relationships are there given her prominence within that. Um, for what I heard from her supporters on the convention floor, though, was they just trust her. As Caitlin alluded earlier, she has this magnetism to her. People don't see her as a politician. They see her as someone they can relate to, someone who speaks their mind, someone who's going to tell it like it is. And that's kind of the be- that's kind of the image she's built for herself, at least among uh, the parties faithful which I think is why she was a front runner across all three rounds of voting Something she had mentioned frequently, though, um, when I talked to her Friday night when she was going around to all the different congressional district meetings, uh, trying to gather support for her chair race, was she had really three main points. Um, One of them dealt with elections, one of them dealt with restoring trust in the party. But the third point I thought was most interesting, that was she really wants to grow the party, especially in urban areas in and around Detroit, where the party traditionally has just kind of ceded that territory to Democrats. And she mentioned that on the convention floor. Uh, She's mentioned that in speeches and conversations. And the people that voted for her, the people that support her, they do think she's the woman to do the job.
0: Right. And this is a Michigan is a state that has is going to have a Senate seat in the balance next time around. Caitlin Buss, I know this doesn't all land on the shoulders of the state party chair, but it really feels like many Republicans see 2024 as a pretty big opportunity with Debbie Stabenow stepping down, and we've heard that there are people like Bill Huizenga, uh Lisa McClain thinking about this race already. Do you see Christina Caramo as someone who? I mean, is she, is she someone who can call candidates, who can call major fundraisers, and try to make an impact in that and other races?
2: You know, I I want to give her the benefit of the doubt um, because I, I do think there are you know the potential for some good things, some turnaround to happen here. But she has not been willing to engage with the press very well. And I've had several, you know, in-person conversations with her, kind of begging her to come talk to our editorial board. Um, And she has been, you know, steadfast that she won't. So I don't know how you translate that to you know, being able to talk to donors who aren't going to necessarily agree with you and where you have to find that common ground. Um, it seems to me she's going to need to take a new approach that I'm not going to agree with everyone that I need to have helping me um, put together this new coalition um, to even have a chance at, at a Senate seat in 24. Um, if they put Someone forward who only appeals to the what is 20 percent, 25 percent fringe, um, there's no way they're going to attract the independents that they already need to attract to get past that goalpost.
0: I'm struck by the fact that there were a lot of people who just didn't show up. What might start to make a difference going into 2024? If if more grassroots, you know, hardliners are making it in Republican county commission races, as we've seen, the the farm teams have become a little bit more conservative. Caitlin, do you have a sense of what might what might turn this around?
2: Yeah, I think there is a sense, you know, <laughs> through the end of the Trump years and even through the past gubernatorial election, a lot of Republicans just sat it out. I mean, they were very defeated. I think you're seeing a little bit of that more establishment, moderate and come back and say, okay, we can't leave the arena because this is, you know, we're going to lose. We're not going to win elections. We're not even going to be able to put in place, you know, any level of policies that we wanna see happening. so I think there will be a lot of funding going to from these big donors again, but to outside groups. They're going to start going to PACs. They're going to start going to individual candidates um, that they think are promising. And that goes, you know, all the way up the slate, whether it's a school board candidate or, you know, governor. Um, they're going to be more selective, but finding those new areas um, where they can
0: build coalitions. Have either of you heard anything from donors, members of the DeVos family or or people like John Engler, who's been a, an orchestrator of the direction of the party in years past and, and some level of decision making?
2: I think that group of people is looking at, you know, not just the political landscape that has changed um, on the ground right now, but also the structure that kind of allowed it to happen. So I could see a lot of support coming. You know, there's some ideas of changing how we even get the nominees, you know, on the ballot and and to, to bring that back in, you know, to register voters again to a party in Michigan, um, maybe with slight changes to how it was done in the past, but to redo that structure so that it's not just kind of open game for whoever thinks they want to get involved in politics, but doesn't necessarily um, have the skills to work their way up to governing at this point.
0: You know, it was so fascinating. Ron Weiser, the outgoing co-chair of the party, as we said, was not was not present for the votes. But he did give an a sort of exit interview from his party chairmanship to Caitlin's colleague, Nolan Finley, in which he sort of warned the party not to be terribly wary of rich people and maybe trying to bring a bit of a reality check about what What party chairs actually do and how they're, why they're important to races. Um, First of all, Colin, I'm curious. Did you do you have any any read on whether that message was received and and acknowledged by anybody who was involved in the election? And Caitlin, whether you think that it's you know it's going to be absorbed on a wider level among people who maybe aren't there for the election. Colin, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of not clear, but also kind of clear that from the election of um, Christina Caramo and how well by the performance of Matt DiPerno, that it wasn't incredibly well received by the delegates at the convention. The third place candidate was Scott Greenlee, who was formerly party vice chair. And one of his big pitches was he knows he's been around campaigning for a while. He knows how to get people elected across the conservative spectrum. Uh, that he knows how to raise money and he's raised millions of dollars before. So he did well, but he still finished third. So I think the fact that they elected Christina Caramo, whose focus has been delegates, people, and less about the party elites, party insiders, I don't think it was well received. Speaking on the floor, just the delegates, one of the things I heard that really stuck with me was essentially – the idea, the perception, at least, that the party faithful, the large-scale donors, the people donating millions of dollars to conservative causes, they're also donating to other sides of the political spectrum as well. And so those people, the idea, at least, that those people aren't really on the Republican Party's side, and therefore, who needs them? You know, they feel like the party itself has things have been the status quo, is letting them down. So from their standpoint, whether or not they have the money from these big names, it shouldn't really matter. What should matter is that, the people closely allied with the grassroots are determining the messaging. And I think that's where their concerns were.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think Colin's right. I think this reflects kind of a shift in the base of the Republican Party at this point. Some maybe perhaps nationally, which is, you know, kind of burn it to the ground and it doesn't matter. They see anyone um, who raises a ton of money or has a lot of money to give to political causes as suspect. So. You know, Democrats haven't been shy about raising a ton of money either. In fact, that's kind of what basically helped them flip the Senate in Michigan this last go around, and they were very open about that. Um, I think if Republican delegates want to kind of hold that part hostage and say it doesn't matter about the money, then they need to be the ones giving it up. I mean, Democrats have done a lot more to get a lot of grassroots fundraising in, and I don't see that same level of financial commitment from Republicans uh, on the grassroots side either. So. Just as Nolan said, I I think in a follow up column, you know, they've siphoned off kind of the big money they don't want. And they also don't even really want the, you know, whatever Trump grassroots money is there right now. Politics requires money and they're going to come up against that reality.
0: Colin, Caitlin, it's great talking to both of you. Thank you for sharing a little time with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. And that's the Stateside podcast. I'm April Baer. You can find full stateside episodes for streaming anytime at michiganradio.org. Also, we do suggest you check out It's Just Politics, hosted by our buddy, Zoe Clark. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Big thanks to Colin Jackson for the extra audio today. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feeds tomorrow. Bye-bye.